Guys, we're in a series called One Month to Live, and you might be thinking, this sounds morbid. What's going on here at High Point Church? The point of this series, right, whether you are a, a, a college student, whether you go to KSU, whether you go to life, whether you have been married for 35 years, or whether you're single, it's to get you thinking that there actually is an end in mind. To get you thinking, what if I actually had one month to live? What if I had 30 days? How would I live my life? What would you do? What would you do different? Think about it. If you had 30 days left on this planet, what would need to change? Who would you talk to? Who would you ask forgiveness from? Who would you extend forgiveness to? There are conversations I guarantee you'd be having with a mom or a dad or a brother or a sister, a grandparent. There are friends that, that you would spend some time with or look to in their eyes and say, thank you. Thank you for what you've meant to me. There are people that you'd invest in. There are children that you would have moments in and you would charge. You'd pass that baton to. If you can think to yourself, how would I live if I had 30 days left? I have a feeling your life would be filled a lot less with things that are petty. Things that are pointless. Things that are a waste of your time. Energy suckers. You'd probably spend a lot less time on Facebook. Oh, my goodness. It's getting warm in here all of a sudden. We Wouldn't we? You'd probably watch less television. You'd spend more time with real people. I was at the bank this week, and they asked me for the first time ever. I don't ever use the automated ATMs. Thank God for the technology. I just don't use it because I like to go in and be around people, right? And the, 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 the person who runs the bank finally this week said, why do you come in here every single week? You do know you could drive up and take care of all of this. And I said, yes, but then I wouldn't be able to talk to you. I was like, I'm in here because I like people. And we bring Chick-fil-A biscuits to the bank. And we were believing God to win people at the bank. And you know what? If you had 30 days left, you would have some conversations with actual human beings, not just in front of your keyboard. You'd spend time with people you need to spend time with. You'd give forgiveness. You'd ask it. You'd extend it. You'd go on that vacation you've been putting off for 15 years. Maybe. How would you live if you had 30 days? Days left if you had one month to live. I changed the message a lot today. So we're going to fly with it. Just one of those moments. And there's something that happens as people face their last days. If you've ever been with somebody in their final moments, you really are, are, are truly gripped and are faced with, with having to trust God really or not. 
And, and when you have something that you just can't figure out the answer for, maybe it's a, maybe it's a disease. Maybe it's just the end and you know the end is coming. There's a moment where you, you finally just, you really and truly give it over to God. Do you know what I'm talking about? You've just resided to the fact that God truly has your days numbered. And there's actually a, a weight that comes off of your shoulders knowing that truly God is in control. And I can stress out about this and I can freak out about this or I can just actually trust him and live my life to the fullest with the time I have left. And if we would do that with 30 days left, why wouldn't we do it right now? With all the days you have left. You with me this morning? Do this. Turn to Mark chapter 5. Verse 21, we're going to read a story this morning. Before we do, I'm just going to pray for us and just ask for God to to move powerfully in our hearts today. Father, as people are turning in in their their Bibles or on their phones to, to read from the word today, I'm asking God that you would speak mightily to us. God, I'm praying that our hearts would truly be open to you. That we would learn to truly trust you, God. To give up and actually let you be in true and total control of our lives. God, help us today. Amen. We're going to read from this. It's the second book in the New Testament. Matthew, Mark. It's Mark chapter 5, and we're reading about a a man by the name of Jairus. You're going to get the context as we read, but he has an encounter with Jesus. It's pretty powerful. It says that when Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. He pleaded earnestly with him, my little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and that she will live. So Jesus went with him. You've got a synagogue ruler, which is no small potatoes in case you're wondering. I know most of you aren't probably familiar with synagogue in in this time period. But understand, this is a significant role. This is an important guy. And if your little daughter is dying, I want, let's just, let's get some context here. If you have a child and you are believing for them to to live and not die, you will do anything to see that that they get well, that they get healthy. And so we don't have the context of, of what Jairus has done up to this point, but I think it's pretty safe to assume, as any parent would do, that he is exhausting every single means and every single end to try to see his daughter get well. He's probably had the conversations with the doctors on the street. There's a good chance he's mentioned it to the neighbors. Hey, guys, be praying. 
There's a good chance he's been on his knees praying. There's a good chance all of the little home remedies that, you know, the essential oils, you know, he's getting them going right now. Everything, get the peppermint on the bottom of the foot, you know, healed. <laughs> Taking a jab. Maybe not quite, but he's doing everything that he knows to do. Some people offended by that in here today. <laughs> I love essential oils. Use them. They're wonderful. Okay. My point is this. Just like we do in our house, if our kids aren't well, we're doing everything we can to get them well. We got the little essential oil thing, making the vapors. We've got, you know, we're going to go to the doctor. We're going to get medicine. We're going to do everything we can. But there's something that happens sometimes and. You know what? I'm going to pause on that. We're going to get to it. Hold that thought. I'm going to back you up a week, two weeks ago, a week and a half ago. Graham, my son, oldest son, turned seven. We had a party for him. And if by chance we're friends on social media, you might have seen that there, we had a reptile birthday party. Okay? Yeah. yeah it was legit. <laughs> and there, were, we brought an, there was an alligator there. There was a Komodo dragon there. There was a 14-foot python there. Yes. I mean, let me tell you something. It was a birthday party. Some of, them, some of those kids were terrified. <laughs> and I'm going to let you in on another secret. Some of the parents were also terrified. <laughs> Weren't they? <laughs> yes. Our sound guy is saying amen in the back right now. He had the Komodo dragon put on his head. He was not playing. <clears throat> and when everybody left... We gave Graham his big present from mom and dad. And it was a bike, okay? And not like the wee lad bike, you know, the little tyke bike. No, this was his first big boy bike. Looks like a BMX ride. It's awesome. And I want to ride it. It's, it's got training wheels still on it, but easy to take the training wheels off. And the point of this is, is this is the bike he's going to learn to actually ride a bike on with no help and no training wheels and eventually no assistance from mom or dad. And so he's looking at this bike and it's big and, you know, he's trying to just even get on it and it was, it was great. But there's something that I want you to understand that, that I had to even come to grips with as I'm at Walmart looking at this bike, is I'm imagining what life looks like in the next several weeks, in the next several months. And here's what it will look like. Dad, do not let go. I'm going to be right next to him on his bicycle. He's going to have his hands on that bad boy. The training wheels are going to come off, and I'm going to have a hand on his back and a hand on the, on, on the handlebars, and we're going to work at this. And he's going to be terrified. He's going to be nervous. I'm going to be standing next to him, and he's going to ask me not to leave. He's going to ask me not to take my hands off. He's going to ask me to do all of the things to make sure that he does not fall off, that he does not get a bump, that he does not get a bruise, and I have bad news. Eventually, that's not going to happen. I'm going to let go. And I'm going to teach my son, despite the fact that he is not going to want me to, I'm going to let go and teach him how to learn to ride that bike. And if I never did, 
Think of the things that he would be missing. If, if, if I stayed this close and never allowed him to truly grasp it, he would never know the thrill of going up that hill and going down that hill. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Winds whipping at your face. You know, as you're, you're just going for it. You know, you might get a bug in your teeth as you're just racing down the hill. There's nothing like it when you're a little kid just getting on that bike and tearing it up. He'd never know the thrill of a ramp or a jump or hitting the curb. He'd never know the thrill of falling off that thing and getting back up and teaching himself to get on it and do it again. He'll never learn it. And it's going to be his tendency to think that because I am letting go, I know my son, he's going to be mad because he's going to tip over at some point. And he's going to think, God, Dad, why did you do this? And I want you to hear this because we do the same thing a lot with God, okay? It's an easy parallel for us because for many of us, we want a bruise-free, bump-free life. And God does not give us a bruise-free, bump-free life. He is teaching us to ride that bicycle and really ride that thing. And if you never do it, there are so many things that you will miss out on with God in your relationship and in this life right here because you are too afraid to trust him. And the, the, the thought process is that because I got a bump or because I fell off the bike, God just doesn't care. He, he, he's not there for me. Why is he so mean? Why is he so angry? And it's actually, it couldn't be further from the truth. It couldn't be further from the truth. You heard it from Ron up here during transition that we serve a God that loves and adores you. And the Bible calls you his most treasured possession. His most treasured possession. And so here we have, back to the story with Jairus, we've got a synagogue ruler who has a tremendous uh, falling off the bike moment, and he needs God. this is a difficult moment. Trusting God is difficult. It is. Asking my son to trust me riding his bicycle, it's going to be difficult. But I want you to hear this with crystal clarity today. That just because it's difficult doesn't mean it isn't worth doing. And for many of us, we just stop doing because it's hard yeah. or because it's painful or because we're afraid. And I want you to hear it and I want it to sink down deep. Most things when it comes to God and faith, many of them are difficult. And just because it's difficult doesn't mean it isn't worth doing. Do it. Push. Press. Trust. Believe. Step out. There were a lot of people that flew here or drove here for a mission trip that I guarantee, if you asked them, were scared to go talk to a student on campus, to just go and introduce them. But they did it. And people came to faith because of it. 
Just because it's difficult doesn't mean it isn't worth doing. If you've grown up in church, I grew up in church in St. Louis and then Nashville and then Orlando and now here. And There are things that sometimes we talk about, you know, in church that just goes assumed, right? We call it Christianese, where you just, you just say things and expect that everybody knows what you mean, but, but they don't actually know what you mean. And one of those words that we say is, just believe God. Just believe him. Just trust him. Just trust God. It's going to be okay. And people don't actually know what that really means to trust God. What does that actually mean? He's not a flesh and blood person right here that I'm handing my child to, for instance. What does it mean to trust him? So I'm going to help you out today. Trusting God is simply believing that he loves you, that he is good, that he has the power to help you, that he wants to help you and will help you even if you don't understand. See, many of us are believers, and if you're not here this morning, if, if you've not put your faith in Jesus, that's cool. You know what? We're going to preach the gospel of Jesus, and we're going to invite you to put your faith in him, but do not feel pressure this morning to have to do that. You can sit here and hear the gospel week after week. Ask questions. But sometimes we function, if you are a believer here this morning, like an unbelieving believer. Meaning you come, you hear it, you say amen, you get excited, and then you go home and you do everything as much as possible in your own strength. You're just going to do it on your own. But you don't think you're doing it on your own. You think you're trusting God, but you're stressed, you're anxious, you're frustrated, you're worried. All of those things point to the fact that you are doing it in your own strength. And when we have anxiety, and when we have fear, and when we have great frustration, many times it points to our own unbelief in our own heart, and we're just, we're functioning like an unbelieving believer. Proverbs 3 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your paths straight. I'm really good personally at saying to God, you're so good and you're so great and I'll take it from here. Thank you, and now I got this. And I, I try to just do my thing. I try to get it to work in my own strength. But Scripture says, trust in him with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him. As in, not some of your ways, all of your ways Submit to him, and he will make your paths straight. So this morning, church, it doesn't matter where you are. Your invitation is the same today, and that's simply this, to trust him. To trust him with 
everything, to trust him in all of your ways, to trust him with the crooked things in your life and expecting him and trusting him to make those crooked things straight. And maybe you're sitting here this morning and that crooked thing that's just got some jankity jank on it or in it is, 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 is your, your children. Maybe you're married here and you're just stressed out of your mind trying to figure out how to be a parent. And you're trying to parent and Jesus is saying, trust me. I am actually a better parent to your child than you will ever be. If you will just let me come and live inside of you, I will teach you how to be the parent that you are so stressed about trying to become. Some of you are locked up in your marriage. Not talking for a week. If you were here last week. Some people struggle with that. I don't know who that is. And I want you to hear me. Your invitation is the same. Trust him in all of your ways. Do you want to learn how to be a better spouse? You need to invite Jesus more into your life and let him teach you how to be a better spouse. If you're going to try to do it in your own strength, I got bad news for you. You're going to fail. We've got to trust him. And when you don't feel like you've got anything left, trust him again. Trust him some more. Back to Jairus. Jairus has asked Jesus to come and lay hands on his daughter. And while they're still speaking, verse 35, it says, while Jesus was still speaking, some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead, they said. Why bother the teacher anymore? Why bother him? It's over. It's finished. Overhearing what they said, Jesus told them, don't be afraid. Just believe. You got to love Jesus because he's so simple. If somebody said that to you, you'd want to clock him in the face. <laughs> you know what I mean? You know what I mean. So when, that per- when, when something tragic is happening in your life and then somebody says, well, all things work out for those who believe. You know, and you just, you're, you're just, that's not what you want to hear. That's not helpful in this moment. Okay? It's not helpful. Hey, if you learn nothing, but, but one thing, understand that when people are going through a hard time, Bible verses thrown in their face generally aren't the most helpful things sometimes. Okay. There you go. Little, that was free also, guys. <laughs> Whew. I am. I'm generous today. Jesus overhears what they're saying. They've come and they're saying basically, hey, you don't even need to bother Jesus anymore. She's died. Let's, Jairus, come on. Let's, let's walk you back. There are things to get to. There's funeral arrangements. Consoling your wife. 
maybe your other children. Your daughter's gone. And Jesus just looks at him and says, don't be afraid. Just believe. It's so simple. But the thing that gets us so oftentimes from really trusting God is we're just afraid. We're afraid of disappointment. We're afraid of pain. We're afraid of the bumps and the bruises. We're afraid of, of the what ifs. What if my marriage doesn't get better? What if my children don't like me? What if I don't get the grade on the test? What if I can't raise the money for the trip? What if that person doesn't like me? What if I stay single? God, where are you? You can catch the fear. And I believe that Jesus is saying to us by the Holy Spirit the same thing that he has said to Jairus. Don't be afraid. Just believe. Just believe. Trust me. Trust me. Trust me. And when you're out of trusting, trust me again. Trust me. If you had one month to live, I guarantee you would be put in a place where all you can do is trust. And if, it, if that's how you would live then, why can't we force ourselves and train ourselves to live that way now? I love that. We have a Bible that is full of people who faced situations that looked dead. I'll read a couple. You've got Abel who made a, an acceptable offering to God in the very first book of the Bible in Genesis, and he did it by faith, not knowing where possibly his next meal was even going to come from. You have Enoch who was taken up to heaven without dying because he believed God. He didn't know what was coming, but he trusted him anyway. By faith, we have Noah who built a large boat to save his family from the flood. He would have been labeled nuts and crazy, but he did it anyway because he trusted God. Abraham and Sarah believed God for a child even though she was barren and even though they were old. But they trusted him anyway. They believed him anyway. The world would say that is dead. That is over. There is no possibility for you. But Jesus always has the final answer. It is nobody else's answer but his to give. There is no one who has the authority to give the final answer except Jesus Christ. There is no death until he says it's over. And if you've got something that you need to be believing for, trusting for, giving your faith to God for, do not quit. Do not stop. But trust him. 
with all your heart and in all your ways acknowledge him. Joseph was mistreated and tortured but trusted God and believed that he could be used, that his pain and misfortune could be turned to a blessing. Ruth was a woman who left everything she had for something greater. They all faced the reality that this thing was dead and this thing was over. But they trusted God. God brought that thing to life. And if he can do it then, he can do it again. There's not anything in your life that Jesus cannot bring to life. There's no marriage. There's no financial situation. There's no job. There's no relationship. There's no parent thing. There's no child thing. There's no disease. There's no sickness. There's no illness. I don't know how it always works. I don't know how it always happens, but I do know this. God is a God worth trusting. He's worthy of my trust. Mark 5, we finish with this. It says that he did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. And when they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. He went in and said to them, why all this commotion and wailing? That child's not dead but asleep. And they laughed at him. And after he put all of them out, he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him and went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and said, Talita Kaum, which means little girl, I say to you, get up. And immediately the girl stood up and began to walk around. She was 12 years old. At this, they were completely astonished. She was dead. And now she's alive. If he can do it then, he can do it again. Many of you are aware about, we have a son named Morgan. Many of you have been praying for him. He has a very, a very severe case of eczema. And if you have eczema here, you know that it's, it's problematic. And if you've ever had it in a severe case, it is, it's torturous for a child. And he has it from basically his chin all the way down to his toes. And he spends the majority of his time wearing wet pajamas to keep his skin wet. And then gets wrapped in gauze at night looks like a mummy and we put him to bed and this is the life that he has lived for so long and you have been praying and we have been praying I've been asking every pastor and friend and relationship I know to be praying he's almost three and we have been begging God for a miracle and I want you to know that you know the mission team came in and 
it was, a, it was this past Monday night. Amy was there with all of our kids and, you know, they, they were getting anxious and we, they were getting ready to leave. And Amy looked at me and said, you know, should we have the team pray for Morgan? And I thought to myself, okay, do I go in there and interrupt this thing and have everyone pray for him? And we've prayed before. We've prayed a lot of times. We've thrown it out here a lot. Is it really, is it really that big of a deal to do again? Why don't, just go home, it'll be fine. And then those words of don't be afraid, just believe. Don't be afraid, trust me. And so we brought Morgan in and we prayed for him and I want you guys to know what's happened in the past several days. Because what we have been waiting for is medicine from overseas. The kind of medicine that they don't offer here in the States. And it's a headache. And it's difficult. And it's hard to get a hold of. And even more than that, it's hard to get a doctor to sign off on meeting with a doctor overseas over Skype and being willing to fill out their prescriptions for them. It's not, it's not easy. And it's rare that you find it. And I want you to know that in the span of Monday to today, not only did the doctor sign off on it, not only was their connection overseas with our doctor and they agreed to it, not only did they write the prescription, they filled the prescription. Not only that, they got the, the compounding pharmacy, not your Walgreens, some Timbuktu pharmacy out in Timbuktu to fill it. And I went and picked it up, and we are putting it on our son. And in the first time in three, in about three years, He says, Dad, look at my face. Rubs his chin because it's not an infected scab. We sat around the, his bedroom last night, rolled up his sleeves. Morgan, look at your arms. Look at your arms. Look at your feet. Look at your ankles. we all went around the room and prayed and we thanked God that he is the one who has the final answer. It's not a doctor. It's not WebMD. It's not your friend. It's Jesus. And you might be sitting here and thinking to yourself, well, that was, you know, just, that was medicine doing the talking. I don't care. I attribute every single piece of that to God. Whether it's the miraculous, get up and you are lifted off the mattress, or you talk to a doctor and they give you a medicine and it heals that skin ailment. I don't care what you call it. I don't care what you, you say about it. I say, 
praise God, thank you, God, that you have the final answer. And God, when I am at the end of my rope, when I don't know what to do, I thank you that you do. I thank you that when I'm out of options, you're just beginning. And so, church, I'm standing here before you because, number one, I needed to testify to you about that. And I also want you to remember that with God, all things are possible. All things are possible. Don't be afraid. Just believe. And in some of your all's cases, keep believing. Don't stop. As the song says, Don't stop believing. (laughs) Oh, man. Perfect way. You know, made you cry, made you laugh. It's a good day.